Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. It's been a hectic week here in New York. Lots of conferences converging on the city. I was able to attend Fast Company's Innovation Fest in Lower Manhattan at the Convene location down by Freedom Tower, World Trade Center. Great snacks, great experience design by the folks at Convene. They were great hosts, as were the folks from Fast Company. Highlight of my day there was a session from Wayne Brady talking about what can be learned from improv and how improv provides insights into business and into relationships and in life. It certainly struck a chord with me as someone who is having conversations with folks regularly and is trying to stay spontaneous. I'll share a few more thoughts about Wayne's session a little bit later on. The second session was at EdTech Week here in New York. This is up at the Time Center in Midtown. Ash Kaluarachi does an amazing job organizing this. This was day one today, and the session that really stood out to me was Angela Duckworth interviewing Esther Wojcicki, who is the mother of Susan Wojcicki and Anna Wojcicki, the CEOs of YouTube and 23andMe, respectively. Esther was a public school teacher. She raised these amazing daughters, three daughters, two of whom are CEOs of major organizations. She had a lot of insight to share around her program that she ran as a journalism program in the Stanford area. She is an inspiration. She founded a new company called Tract at age 80. She is still going strong. She and Angela were truly inspirational. I got a lot out of their session and we'll spend a little more time on that before wrapping. And I'm excited for tomorrow where I'll be attending Holen IQ's summit. Patrick Brothers, one of the co-founders with Maria Spies, gave a really sharp survey of the state of play for the world of educational technology. Holen IQ is a firm I've been tracking for several years. I did attend their summit back in 2019. I'll be attending it tomorrow, hopefully can share some more from that, and also some more highlights from the masterclass I'm running on using your podcast to grow your network, and particularly for EdTech founders to think about how they might be able to reach investors, they might be able to reach their board or other critical stakeholders, not to mention their friends, their family, their network by using a podcast, by launching a podcast. We got plenty to cover because we have the Wayne Brady session from Fast Company Innovation Fest, and then the Duckworth and Wojcicki double team amazing session from Ed Tech Week. But to start, we're going to cover something that's near and dear to my heart for listeners who've been with us at Trending in Ed for nearly 500 episodes dating back to September of 2016, the Gartner Hype Cycle dropped. Gartner has released its hype cycle for emerging technology in 2022, the 25 technologies that are going to move the needle in the next two to 10 years. You're going to hear all about it next.
So Gartner hype cycle for 2022 emerging technologies dropped like it was hot once again this year. Let's refresh folks on what the phases of the hype cycle are, which is part of what drew me to them initially when we first began covering this. So the idea is that any new technology begins with an innovation trigger. It starts by being invented. Things start. There's an inception point, if you will. And from there, it proceeds through a hype cycle at varying speeds and with varying effects. Some technologies mature towards productivity, whereas others really wallow in disillusionment and failure. And it's a reality that we're all aware of. And they also talk at length about the peak of inflated expectations, which is something that we all need to be careful about, particularly when things can go into bubbles and be overhyped only to be deflated. The five stages of the Gartner hype cycle are as follows. The innovation trigger, the peak of inflated expectations, otherwise known as an investment bubble, the trough of disillusionment, which bottoms out with a turning point that leads to the slope of enlightenment and culminates in the plateau of productivity. Now, what's interesting about this hype cycle, aside from its visualization, we'll include links to all of this on uh, the show page for this episode. But what's really interesting about this is that you never get as hype as you are at the peak of inflated expectations. Despite reaching productivity downstream, no one cares as much. And a lot of the target audience for Gartner's hype cycle is folks who are heading up technology initiatives, CTOs, CIOs, folks who are involved in startups and, and the venture space. And frequently they're more interested in what will get funding, what will get growth. It is an interesting contrast to EdTech Week where we're trying to understand where are we in the different phases of investment and growth for educational technology. But in terms of emerging technology, the hype cycle walks through 25 different technologies that all fit on their hype cycle. It's done through pretty extensive research headed up by a core team, and then they have experts within each of the given domains. There are 25 of them. I'm going to run through them quickly because I did take some notes while attending their workshop. What was interesting was that they grouped the technologies into three higher level groupings. The first of which is evolving and expanding immersive experiences. The second is accelerated AI adoption. And the third is optimized technologist delivery. Breaking those down at a high level, it does kind of make sense in that the evolving and expanding immersive experiences, this is where you think about the metaverse. It is the metaverse, in fact, is included as one of the technologies within the evolving and expanding immersive experiences. From there, accelerated AI adoption is something we've been talking about a lot on the show. We've been trying to cover more how AI education and the skills gap around developing artificial intelligence across all the different types of roles that we're going to need for AI to be implemented successfully and to actually benefit human flourishing. It's a lot of work to be done on the education side. And as we've discussed on this show, there are a lot of technologies that are maturing rapidly 
And the vision that Gartner is putting out there is that a lot of these things are going to be accelerating in market. Some of the new and emerging technologies will be getting hyped. But we are in a world where AI is very much top of mind in the world of technology and is also top of mind in the world of investment and where the capital is going, which is where the innovation will happen. Interestingly, there are many signals out there that AI is now useful and in market in ways that maybe some of these other technologies, these more nascent technologies are not. And then the third category was really interesting, which is optimized technologist delivery. And that is really human-centered design built around the persona of the engineer or the cloud ops developer or the data scientist, the new role types that are in fact technical humans, but those humans will need software and interfaces and frameworks that are necessary for them to be more effective in their jobs as we're all trying to stay ahead of this accelerating rate of change in these wacky times. So I got a lot out of that running through the technologies that I got a sense of in the evolving and expanding immersive experiences. This is where decentralized identity, digital humans, the digital twin of a customer, internal talent marketplaces, the metaverse, NFTs, super apps, and Web3 all appeared. So those are all tied to evolving and expanding immersive experiences. Digital twins are something we've talked about a lot. Interestingly, they talk specifically of, of a customer. Internal talent marketplaces where skills can become more transparent within organizations is something we've also been talking more about. How do those become more quantifiable and tied directly to the skills that individuals need to develop to become ready for new roles. Interestingly, I did see a company called Julius that seemed to be doing this for green jobs. This was as part of the EdTech Accelerator. Check out what Julius has going on. Uh, I was impressed by their pitch. But that covers the evolving and expanding immersive experiences. The 600 pound virtual gorilla in the room it looks a lot like Mark Zuckerberg, I think. And that is meta, the fact that Facebook is now very concertedly focusing on growing their immersive experiences, their VR team. Web3 also appearing as its own hype cycle item. These were all in varying degrees headed towards that peak. You do wonder what the trough will look like for some of these technologies. Unfortunately, Gartner didn't really get into that. Of these 25 technologies, none of them were past the peak of inflated expectations. Everything was pre-descent into the trough of disillusionment, which is an interesting signal from Gartner. I would have liked to have heard more from them on why that in fact is. Then moving on to AI adoption, this is where causal AI, foundation models, generative AI, AI augmented design, and autonomic systems. This was where they talk about guardrails being built in with AI and ways in which an autonomic system might be able to operate without human intervention around decision-making, which is something that both Gartner and also many of the folks who've been on the show have been cautioning where 
AI operating completely independent of human intervention, human approval, human decision-making is the Skynet scenario and one that we want to be cautious about implementing. Interestingly, though, the audience who typically reads the Gartner hype cycle and engages in these types of conversations, they're the folks who are actually making these decisions. Do we fully automate this thing or do we design with humans in mind? I will say I was somewhat heartened by both Fast Company and EdTech presenting content that was very much human-centered, and it does look like a lot of the investment and the awareness of forward-thinking trends are very much built on foundations of social-emotional learning and compassion, and we'll get into a little bit more of that when I talk about Wayne Brady and Angela Duckworth and Esther Wojcicki's sessions, but that's really where we are in terms of the AI automation component. And then the last area is optimized technologist delivery. And I heard the term product service solution communities put out there by Gartner, which I thought was also interesting in that thinking about the community of interest, the community of practice who is focused on more advanced technical implementations, we haven't really built out a software layer uh, an infrastructure for those people to be more effective and for that to be thoughtfully designed with AI technologies and immersive technologies as part of what the human will be interacting with. It's really interesting when you do get to that level of design thinking, that level of architectural understanding, systems thinking. I'll continue to try to get folks who have that mindset and that perspective to bear on this show, I was particularly impressed by Samir Maskey from Fuse Machines, who was on a little while back. I'm hoping to get more folks who are leading AI education companies and or folks who are adopting that ecosystem level of thinking, who are trying to incorporate some of these new technologies, but also doing so with a measure of caution and awareness of risk, particularly around bias and the problem of the data that you train the AI with. It's only going to be as good as the data set upon which it is trained. And frequently those data sets are corrupted, just like any of the times we've tried to train bots based on social media activity tends to go dark pretty fast. Anyway, the optimized technology delivery components are augmented FinOps, cloud data ecosystems, computational storage, cloud sustainability, cybersecurity mesh architecture, data observability, dynamic risk governance, industry cloud platforms, minimum viable architecture, observability-driven development, open telemetry, and platform engineering. Now, I got to admit, this is where it got the most out there technically. And while I do have a good working understanding of technology and architecture and can engage in those conversations, some of this was going a little bit over my head. But at the level of understanding how to design with the human factors of more technical humans who are engaged in more advanced work and the idea that new technology systems that will include immersive technology, AI-powered environments that are increasingly maturing, how do you design with that ecosystem in mind 
when you're designing for the most advanced humans who are doing their technical work. I got to say, I had to pause because I had a little bit of a mind blown moment where I started to think about how all the different pieces of the hype cycle might fit together. And then I calmed down, realizing that there will be a trough. And just like any mind blowing revelation that you have, there'll be a splash of cold water known as reality that will hit it. And just like Father Time is undefeated, I believe the trough of disillusionment is doing pretty well as well. It does speak to grit and some of the things that were covered in the other sessions that we're showcasing as part of today's episode. Let's pick up with that next. Wayne Brady's an impressive dude. You attend the session with him, you hear his story, and then you see his masterful improv game. You can understand why he's now entering the venture space. He is joining forces with the Freestyle Love Supreme Academy and Speechless Inc. to launch a virtual business and educational training platform built around improv acting techniques. His session was really great, both in that it was entertaining, you could see the improv there, but he was connecting the lessons learned from improv and the tactics of good improv, how they are relevant really anywhere, and in particular in business. I got a lot out of that. You know, he talked about the importance of the yes end and not shutting the other person down. A lot of emotional intelligence stuff the importance of building trust, showing up and committing to the bit, not mailing it in, not trying to dominate the performance and be the funniest member of the team, instead engaging in deep listening, actually talking to each other, really feeding off what the other person is giving you. It was great because he could demonstrate how this works in improv and then immediately connect it to how you might apply that in business or in your personal life. And then it was really great to understand how this is all taught. And I've talked frequently about how Nelson Mandela talked about how he never lost, he either won or learned. Improv is a failure-based art form. You have to be comfortable with the fact that you can and will fail. And if you're gonna fail, fail big, but commit to it and get out there and do it. Put those reps in get better, get better at your craft. I liken that very much to leaning into an educational role for me, leaning into the podcast platform that has a lot of improvisational elements to it. I found a lot of what he was talking about to be personally relevant. And then I'm excited to see where he takes this. Who knows? I will reach out to Wayne's people. We'll see whether I can land him or not. But it's the type of conversation, what could be learned from improv? Are there ways in which you could bring that to an education podcast? Worth thinking about, worth pondering. It was really great to be in a relatively small room, experiencing that, understanding that it's not just comedy, that it actually can connect to bigger ideas, which all really relate to getting along better with others understanding where they're coming from so that you can co-create something that's better than what you might have done on your own and is just different and harder and somehow more important when it's done in partnership with other people in the moment. 
It's also when you can get the audience involved. It even gets to another level, which is another theme that we've talked a lot about, particularly with the creatives who've been on the show. I'm really curious about that stuff. I'm always interested in where human creativity can flourish and what kind of tactics can really draw that next level performance out of all of us. I think there's a lot to be learned from what Wayne Brady has going on. We'll include some links to the new action on the Wayne Brady front. Wayne, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on Trending in Education. Esther Wojcicki, who raised two daughters who are heading up YouTube and 23andMe, and that's not even the entirety of her story by any stretch. She was a lifetime educator. She raised her girls. She also, just recently at age 80, founded Tract with another educator, which enables peer-to-peer education where kids can learn from someone who's slightly older than them, but is still a kid. And I'm already seeing that in my three-year-old where when he hears it from his parents, it's one thing. When he hears it from his teacher, it's another thing. But when he hears it from a peer, he's listening. And if that peer happens to be a little older and has a little more cachet by virtue of being a little older, the lessons resonate even more deeply. So that's available at tract.app. We'll include a link to that. And Angela Duckworth, in addition to writing Grit and being an amazing speaker and podcaster and personality, she's also a serious academic working out of Wharton over the years. And she's now launched the Character Lab, where she's doing research into really amazing individuals to try to understand what aspects of their character, elements like Grit, that really differentiate those who are able to succeed and excel, and also trying to understand what their foundations were. How was that cultivated? What did they learn from? What kind of parenting styles got them to where they are? And that very much led into her conversation with Esther, who looks amazing and just was glowing as she talked about both her parenting of her daughters and then also her launching her new initiatives as well as the acronym TRIC, which is the other thing that I wanted to make sure folks heard. In addition to GRIT, they talked about TRIC, and TRIC is an acronym for what Esther really cultivated in her journalism classes. It's foundational to how she's building out TRACT, and it very much resonated with a lot of the research that Angela was citing, which all really flowed together wonderfully in the conversation, tying it back to parenting and connecting educational context to parenting context, which is a trend that we've been tracking here on the show. And we've all become more aware of some of those connections as worlds have collided in recent years. The acronym TRIC, the T stands for trust, the R stands for respect, the I is for independence. You wanna allow agency and autonomy from your class. The C stands for collaboration, and the K stands for kindness. And she made a special point of saying that perhaps the most important two elements in this culture building, which is really the way I was looking at 
her conversation are trust and kindness. And as a parent of a three-year-old, I do understand that day-to-day in terms of what I'm trying to bring to my son. And I am starting to see that in early childhood education. And then to hear this through the lens of parenting and through the lens of raising really amazing women who are able to lead these organizations and do so with conscience and do so while still raising their families and following in many ways the, the role model that is their mom to heights of success. It was very inspirational. Esther suggested we close with some hope. And at the same time, Angela was talking about the importance of desirable difficulty, where you don't want to make things too easy. You want to inspire that desire to continue to try and to build that resilience, build that grit, build that motor and that growth mindset that we all need to continue to strive and grow to new heights. I found it inspirational. I found this whole week to be inspirational. It will culminate tomorrow when I deliver my masterclass on what you can do with a podcast to grow your network. And if you are trying to cultivate your B2B business opportunities or get your thought leadership brand together, that is something I do as a consultant. You'll hear a little bit more of that as we continue to produce Trending in Ed, but I also try to do this mainly for the love of the game to keep the conversation on the right targets and to keep it moving forward in a positive light. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing. We're getting closer to our 500th episode. That's very near on the horizon. Other highlights and insights to share, other interviews and conversations on the horizon. Really excited to be bringing it to you all. Thanks as always for listening. If you haven't told your friends about the show, please do so. If you haven't subscribed or written a review, please do so. Hopefully you are enjoying the ride. I know I certainly am. Thanks for listening. This is Trending in Education.